Glory to God. We welcome you here this morning. If you were here uh, earlier and you read the bulletin, you did notice that I put a quote in from George Washington. And I know that many of our founding fathers have come under fire and that people are, are finding fault with them. And it's very easy for the church of God to get caught up into the same thing and find fault with those who came before us. It was not a mistake that I used him. I've, I love some of the things that God did through Brother George Washington in the founding of this country. And if you ever need to go through and find out what history has to say about him and others, I encourage you to read the Peter Marshall's book, The Light and the Glory. But thank God that God uses imperfect people, people with some views that are not as good as they should be, before we are too quick to judge others for their faults and refuse to receive the good things that God has done through them. Just remember, God uses you. And God uses you despite your faults. And if I am not merciful in what I look upon others, what they receive, what I receive from them, or how I view what God did through them, we, uh, it, can, it can be very bad for us. So don't, don't be doing that. If you go through our history in the Revolution, you cannot but help see the hand of God that was on many of the people who signed the Declaration of Independence, who led our nation, and the many things they gave up, and the many things they did. And this is a weekend where we celebrate that freedom that we have. But right now, many people are pointing fingers and finding fault with different ones. And I'm not saying that uh, the things that they did were, were great. I don't know all the things that uh, maybe they did. But I do know that God used them. And if God would use imperfect people like that to do great things, God would also use imperfect people like us to do great things. And I thank God for our country. The things that we were able to walk in and enjoy as a country. And I'm grateful for all of you. Well, good to have you here today. Joining us on Facebook or here in the building. We're going to be once again over in Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 through 46. And sometimes I get done on a, on a Sunday and up in my spirit it comes, oh, you didn't do this. You know, you, you, you forgot something. And last Sunday I came into service and I knew during the week God had said, you didn't do that. You didn't point that out. I said, oh, yeah. And I, when I came in on Sunday, I suddenly remembered. I said, that's okay. I wrote it down. And so I wrote it. I put it on my phone and said, nope. I made other notes. I didn't make that one. Well, that's probably the one I put in my physical book that I had. And so I went from here next door, got the little physical book I had, looked inside, and that was a different note. I could not remember for anything in me. What was it that I was supposed to be, um, be uh, addressing again last Sunday? that I didn't properly the one before. And so it wasn't until after Sunday service. I don't know when it was later on that Sunday, later on that Monday, whatever it was. And it came to me, oh yeah, I forgot we got into that. And so uh, a question that somebody had asked or a comment that somebody had made, I thought, oh, I ought to press into that a little bit more because sometimes I, I mention some things and I don't, I'm not always aware that not everybody's been here for when we covered it before. But you remember two weeks ago when we were talking about uh, that God created Adam and that he created him, male and female, 
and male and uh, I'm sorry, he, 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 and in God's image, He created Him, and male and female, He created them. And for some some of you folks, you let me know that that was new to you, that you didn't know that it was not a rib that was taken out of Adam, that it was a cavern or a uh, a uh, an asp- a, a part of Him, and that part was the female part that was removed from Him, and then God fashioned or built the the woman. I had a pastor who always used to say we still use that terminology today. The woman is built. It comes straight from the Bible. <laughs> Don't use that about men. <laughs> but he he formed man, he built the woman. That's actually the way the Bible puts it. But when he, this is what I want you to make sure that you see it will help you understand an aspect of God a little bit more. When God came down on the earth and, and took that part of Adam out, separated the male and the female, and made the woman, he then instituted marriage. And what did marriage do? Marriage brings the male and the female together again. So you see, God separated it, made it into two beings, and then through marriage, God joined it. And so do you understand what the Word of God says when He says, what God has joined together, let not man put asunder? You see, God had them together, separated them, and then brought them back. And this is why we have the the conflicts that sometimes we do uh, between the males and the females. And understand, one is not better than the other. They, They are both different, and they have different aspects. And if the males try to become female and the females become males, you will lose what the image of God is that he put inside of you. Just because a woman is different doesn't mean that she's, she's less than. And just because a man is different doesn't mean that he's less than. But then God brought them back together. Now, if you are uh, not brought back together, you are just male and there's no counterpart to you, that's fine. Because God can come along and, and complete that as well. And he'll, he'll make sure that you have everything that you, that you need. You don't ever have to feel like, well, I'm missing something. But I just want to make sure that you understood where the, the whole marriage idea came from. And see, when man has gone out here and has tried over the last number of years to corrupt marriage to be anything, two men getting married, two women getting married, pretty soon, you know, uh, I, I know that somebody made a petition for it, a woman wanted to marry her cats, or a cat, I think it was just one, one cat. And... Uh, other things will be perverted as well. This is the perversion of the of what God has done, of the family that God put together, and it's a perversion from the image of God. When you try and unite these two things, you are perverting the image of God. So it's a lot more involved than most of these people realize. But that's, with that, let's turn over to Matthew twenty-six. We wanted to finish off this aspect of of what Jesus was talking about. Remember a number of weeks ago we got into that part of pray that you may not enter into temptation. The word there, enter, is to go into or to leave. He's not talking about accidentally sinning. He's talking about sinning on purpose. He says pray that you may not enter or sin on purpose. has nothing to do with accidental sin or sinning because you're ignorant, don't know that a thing is, is going on. That can certainly happen too. But this is talking about I know what I should do and I'm going to do something different. He said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Just because you are willing to do what God wants you to do does not mean you are ready, that you are complete. 
a willingness to do what God wants you to do in your spirit will not accomplish the task. You have to also take over and be strong, be stronger than your flesh. You can't let your flesh be the, the weak side here. You gotta discipline your flesh. As Paul put it, put your body under. It doesn't call the shots. And, um, if you let it call the shots, you're gonna hinder yourself. Well, last week we looked at the word watch. And we saw that this word, particular word watch, is the Greek word means to keep awake, watch, or be vigilant. To be, to, to not be given into sleep, but to be, uh, there's not gonna be, there's gonna be things that are gonna try and pull you into, uh, a slumber, a sleepiness, an, I'm not aware of some things. And he says, you gotta make sure you're on guard against that and keep watch over the things that are going to come against you. Or the things that are gonna try and pull you into the temptation. He said, pray that you enter not into temptation. He encouraged them, he said, watch and pray. He used both of those words, watch and pray. So we covered watch last time. If you missed that, you can go up online, catch it on the, the Facebook video, or you can listen on the, on the podcast. But he's saying, don't, don't be put to sleep. The enemy is going to try and cause you to be asleep on some things. Here in verse 36, let's read this together. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Now he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John. And now look what it says here. He began to be sorrowful. I looked up that word began. It's a very common word. But this particular rendition of this word, it's in what the Greek calls the middle voice, which limits what it can mean. And it happens to, to be talking about the beginning of something. It's often used of a king when they would come to the, come to the throne and they would begin their reign. It would use this particular word in the middle voice to say the king began his reign and they would name the year. There was a beginning. Something started. When you use this word in this sentence, in the middle voice, what you're saying is that something that had not been taking place began. It is very time-oriented here. So what it says here, he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. That means that up until then, he had not become sorrowful and deeply distressed. Something happened here that he became sorrowful and deeply distressed. Now, he does not try and hide it. They can see that something visibly has happened with him. But then he goes on in verse 38. Then he said to them, that's the three, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Now, it's real easy to know that someone is has begun to be sorrowful when they tell you, I'm sorrowful. That's the same word that is used there. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. So something is going on that is causing Jesus to become sorrowful. I looked up that word, and I, wrote, I believe I, I wrote it in your, your outline there. Grieved 
all around intensely sad, exceedingly sorry or sorrowful. Grieved all around. Not just sad, intensely sad. Exceeding, exceedingly sorry or sorrowful. This is what this is, is talking about. He began, he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Now, if we went over to Mark's gospel, when Mark covers this, in Mark chapter 14, verse 33, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. So he copies the word deeply distressed, but he adds this, he was troubled. The word there for troubled means to be astonished, utterly, greatly amazed. To, to become astonished or greatly amazed. This is, uh, I, I have a note from Wiest. He said, though he knew of the coming mission, he knew the coming mission was to die on the cross. He knew the crucifixion was coming. We know that he knows this. He's been telling his disciples about it. He's been alerting them to it. The Son of Man is going to be beaten. He's going to be crucified. He's going to die. He's going to be buried. Three days he will rise. He's, they've been telling him. He knows this. This is not new to him. But though he knew the coming mission, as it comes closer and thus clearer in view, his first feeling was of astonished surprise. Its terror seemed to have exceeded his anticipations. Now, have you ever had a thing that you were, you were dreading coming? You knew it was coming. But you didn't want it to come. I know this is coming. I know this day is approaching. Maybe it was a day that you had to go to court. Maybe it was tax day. Maybe it was a day that the company was uh, laying off some people. Uh, it can be anything. But you know it's coming. I know it's coming. I'm not looking forward to it's coming. But it, I know it's coming. And then all of a sudden the day gets here and almost a terror comes on you. That you, oh no, this is, this is the day. What am I going to, can you, have you ever experienced that? Have you experienced that kind of terror that just kind of tries to get hold of you? And that's a strong emotion. This is what Jesus is experiencing. I know this is coming. I know the day is here. But all of a sudden we got real, real close and we see it. It's like when you can see something off on the horizon. I know. I know that's coming, but then it's here. Maybe if you saw a, a storm coming, I could see the storm coming, but then it's, it's here. And you hear the thunder and the lightning. If you're out by the ocean, you see the, the water start to turn up. Oh, it's, here. And you can feel that terror want to come on you. I saw it way out there. Now it's here. And it, be, and it begins to, to battle with you. And when you have that terror that goes on, it's, it's tough for you to get things done. You have to get a hold of that, that terror. You have to get a hold of that feeling that's trying to get you. This is what Jesus is doing. We're getting close. We're getting to see this. And this terror is trying to get hold of me. And he pulls his disciples aside. And he says, this has begun. I need you to watch 
and pray that you don't enter into this because the same terror that's going to try and come upon me right now it's going to try and come upon you how are you going to handle this what are you going to do when it comes upon you did that same terror come upon the disciples yeah and what did they do they ran they fled they got out did they resist temptation didn't even seem like they put up a fight they're out of there and Jesus stayed said to all the soldiers this massive people and Jesus said to them I was with you every day in the temples why did you come get me then and now you bring a mass of people here but so it be fulfilled what the scriptures say come on let's go he does not come across as someone who's in terror does he but this is what this word is describing here this is how Mark described it. He was troubled, astonished, greatly amazed. I knew this was coming, but wow. This is, this is intense. He said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Jesus doesn't just experience these emotions. He expresses them. He tells the three, this is what's coming on. This is what is coming on me right now. They can see a visible change inside of Jesus. And they wrote in the Gospels, he began. He, he wasn't this way over here. He wasn't this way when we were in the upper room. But now he began. We could, they could see it. They could just see his face. Have you ever seen something begun to, to overtake somebody? And you can see their face and they went from happy, doing well, to oh, terror, fear. Something that was on their face that wasn't there before. And you would say they began to be frightened of this or terrified or sorrowful or whatever it was that they were going through. So Jesus expresses these emotions to the three. Not with the intention of, of them doing anything about them. He's not saying this so that they begin to do something. He's not, he's not saying, guys, I am really going through something. Help me. He's not asking them for any help. He's asking them to help themselves. Pray that you don't enter into temptation. He's not asking them, you know, talk me through this. Help me get through this part here. He's not even saying, I need you to pray for me. He's saying, pray that you don't enter into temptation. He's not saying, guys, I need you to pray for me. If you don't pray for me, I think I might not come through this. He doesn't do that. He wants them to watch and to pray for themselves. James chapter 5, verse 13. You know this verse. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. If you got suffering, instead of spending all your time calling up all your buddies, hey, pray for me. I'm going through something. James says, you pray. If you're suffering, pray. You need to pray. You're the one who needs to pray to get through this. What he's telling the, the disciples is, look, suffering's coming to you guys. You need to pray. You need to get yourselves ready. Stuff's coming. Now, it's not sinful or wrong to have emotions. Even ones that seem to overwhelm you. If you have ever been overwhelmed by emotions, you, are, you have not sinned. You have not missed God. 
you're not necessarily in the wrong place. Jesus was in a place here. He knew it was coming. He knew all this stuff was, was happening. And yet he was overwhelmed with emotions. But he prayed. He got himself in a, in a place where they were under control. I'm not going to make decisions based on these emotions that I'm feeling. But he did feel them. Just don't let them rule you. If you do, they'll destroy you. Don't let the emotions rule you. You hear many people who teach about laughing. I was listening to another uh, minister. I put up uh, Fred Price. How many people listened to Fred Price that I put up on this week? How many people did not listen to Fred Price that I put up this week? Shame on you all going home. Dude. Now, how many times will I put up messages? Not a whole lot. I would do it a lot more if you all responded more. I got about five people who respond usually pretty much all the time. The rest of you, you are lacking. <laughs> appreciate the five of you. Really do. But they'll put up stuff. They'll, they'll comment. And, you know, we, we appreciate I, I do it for your good. If I'm listening to something, say, you know what? I think the church could benefit from this. I'll put it up there. I listened to messages like you saw there. I listened anywhere from 10 to 20 a week. I have a huge appetite when it comes to that stuff. I cannot be satisfied with just a couple. I've got to just keep taking more in. And it's, I never, oh, I already heard that. I don't care. I heard, I heard brother Fred Price teach this message before. I don't care. I, I hear him again. Because I'll get something more out of it. You know what? When I grow and I get further along in my spiritual walk and I hear somebody teach the same thing, I'm going to be able to glean more from it. Because I was not in a place to hear everything before. Now I'm in a better place to hear. Going back there and, and, and do that stuff. You, what you eat during the week, I'll tell you, it's, it's important. It's incredibly important to you. Make sure that you keep feeding on this stuff. Listening to things. As I said, he is, he is one of my favorites. And um, there's a particular spot in there that um, I, I mentioned it to a couple of... Uh, couple of people. I'm not going to mention it here. Y'all have to go through and listen to it. But there's a particular spot that will let you stand up and take notice. Wow, did he just do that? <laughs> yeah, he did. And he would too. He's a bold guy. He's just, but nice. Just straightforward and bold. I just, I just, I love his personality. You've ever, anybody ever heard his son? I know a couple of you people. I love his son. Wow, oh, I love his son. His, I've, I've, I've talked to a couple of people. Of all the father-son combinations, that is like by far the best one in, in, the, in the world that I know of. I don't know of any other father-son combination that comes close to those two. They're outstanding. And uh, I enjoy them. I know that uh, Fred Price Jr., there were some things that went on, and I think he, he stepped down from the church. I haven't heard whether he's gone back to it or not. I hope that he does. And when he does, I will once again tune in and listen to what he's got to say. Because uh, there's an anointing of God on him. If there was a flaw that he had fallen into or whatever it might be, fine, fix it. Let's get back into the gift. <laughs> and I will enjoy listening to him. But if you ever hear some of our brother, brother Fred Price Jr. and you don't know, you don't, you're listening to it, you're not watching it, if you just hear it, you will think you're hearing his dad from a long time ago. I, I heard him a few times say, man, that sounds just like his dad. It's, it's good. Make sure you get some of these things that are out there for us. There's, uh, there is much to be had. Anyway, 
How do we get off on all that sort of stuff? I don't even remember. Verse 39, He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So here's his prayer. This is what he prayed. He prayed for an hour. So you know he prayed more than this, but this is the gist of it. This is around the the area that he was praying. Whatever he was praying was along these lines. Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless not as I will, but as you will. Now, there is a role of if in our prayers, but there is only a role for if in our prayers for those things we are unsure of their possibility. If I am unsure if a thing is possible, then I can use the word if in my prayer. Because this would mean that I am unsure of the will of God on this. If I do not know the will of God on this, then I can use if in my prayers. Because I am not sure of the will of God. But a lot of people use if in their prayers for something they should know the will of God on. Just because you don't know the will of God doesn't mean you shouldn't. Some people are just lazy. And if you're lazy, there is no room for if in your prayers. Well, that's, a, that's all right. Even if you don't say amen. <laughs> Got to get rid of the lazy. Don't be, don't be out there and... and um, not doing your homework. Well, God, I don't know what you want to do on this. Well, find out. <laughs> find out what he wants you to do on it. You cannot have faith if you don't know what the will of God is. Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So his whole prayer here is for this cup to pass from him if he could not. Now, remember, he began to be sorrowful Mark put the word in there, troubled and deeply distressed. So this was beginning to, to come upon him because he's we're about here. I know this has been coming. I know this is about to, to hit, but now it's here. What are we going to do? So this is a prayer about the will of God. His prayer is about the will of God. And the purpose he is to accomplish. He has a purpose to accomplish here. God gave him a purpose. When he was sent to this earth, his purpose was, the main purpose, go to the cross, die on the cross for their sins, and to be raised up again. But in order to qualify for that, he had to live this life sinless. And so he walked this earth for 30 years. That's all part of his purpose. Well, did he, he didn't heal anybody all those 30 years. He didn't teach anybody anything as far as we could tell. He's in that one time asking questions in the, in the temple. Did he just waste all those 30 years? No. In order to accomplish his purpose, he had to live on this life and be sin free. He was accomplishing his purpose even though he wasn't doing the thing he was anointed to do, which was to teach and to set free and to heal and so forth. He wasn't doing all those things. But he was still accomplishing his purpose. Don't let the devil tell you you're not accomplishing your purpose when you're in the place that God tells you to be. Don't try and do that. 
Now we put, we gave this to you before. Temptation is doubting God's word. It's in your outline, just to remind you. Temptation is doubting God's word. That's all it is. When the devil comes up to you and he tempts you, all he's trying to do is get you to doubt God's word. Has God really said? Is it really true that you can't do that? Come on. That's what temptation is. Veering from God's purpose would also be a temptation though, right? If God has told me this is what I want you to accomplish and I veer off of that and I go in another direction, that would be a temptation. Well, that's just doubting God's Word. God's Word said, Steve, do this. And if I veer off from that, then I'm doubting God's Word. So God has spoken to Jesus. This is what I need you to do. And as it gets closer, up till now, Jesus hasn't tried to talk God out of it. He's been telling everybody, this is going to happen. I'm going to get killed, crucified. I'm going to be dead, buried three days. I'm going to be raised up again. I mean, you almost might think the way Jesus is talking about it, he's looking forward to it. But then all of a sudden, we got to this spot here, and he began. Middle voice. Speaking of time, this is the point. Right here at this point, he began. Didn't happen before. He wasn't feeling this in the upper room. He wasn't feeling this the week before. He wasn't feeling this when he was teaching his disciples about what was going to happen. He felt it now. He began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. He knows there's a temptation that's going to try and pull me from this, from this purpose. If I don't get a handle of what's going on on the inside of me, I could veer off from this purpose and not go in that direction I'm supposed to go. So he asked his disciples, you guys watch and pray. See, Jesus sees, he knows, he feels this temptation and he prays to stay on the purpose that God gave him. God, this is the purpose that you get. This is why you sent me here. If there is another way to accomplish this purpose, that's great. Let's do it. But if not, I'll do it. Now see, this is not praying the way that some people think about praying this in this. This is not praying in faith for something. It's not praying in faith. You're praying in faith. You're praying for something. He's not praying for something. He's praying to stay in the, in the will of God and accomplish the purpose. He's not praying in intercession. That's bridging the gap between you and someone who's unsaved or falling away. He's not praying in supplication. This is not praying in supplication. That's praying for others that are believers. This is praying to know the will of God and to stay in it. So to pray like Jesus does here, if you're going to pray like Jesus prays, if you're going to do this type of prayer that will keep you from entering into temptation, then you've got to qualify like Jesus did. You've got to do the things that Jesus did. So, I wrote down, gave you two blanks. You can fill these out if you want to. To pray like Jesus does here is to pray first off, pray the Word. The first off is to pray the Word. In order to pray the Word, you must know it. It is not good enough to know the words of the Word. 
you must comprehend its meaning. If you do not comprehend the meaning of the Word of God and simply pray the words of the Word of God, you will fail. Because you have to have revelation and understanding of the Word of God. Remember the parable of the sower. The sower went to sow. The first soil, what happened? The seed was stolen. Why? Because they didn't understand. If I do not understand the Word, I cannot pray it. There's a lot of people who think they understand the Word and they're praying some things and you listen to them, that's, that's so ignorant. You don't know what you're praying. It's not going to work for them. I'm going to pray like Jesus prays here and get myself sold out for the purpose that God has called me and not be tempted or veered off from the right to the left. i got to first off know the Word and pray the Word. i got to pray what the Word intends, not what I want it to intend. I can't just grab a verse... Well, I'll just use this out of context. I don't say that, but I'm, that's what I'm doing. I'll just use this out of context and just do uh, uh, pray it this way. No, you can't do that. I've got to understand what does the Word say. And that takes some effort on my part. That means sometimes you've got to go out there and, and, to, and to listen to some people and hear some things and, uh, and get under some, some good folks. Now, some people are really easy to get under. No, Brother Hagin, he was an easy one to get under. He was tough. He told some tough stories, but he was an easy one to get under. I've had some, though, that not quite as easy. Uh, but I stuck with it because I knew they got something that I need to get. Because some of their, their personalities were terrible. I mean, and to some degree, some of these ministers that I knew were downright mean. I talked with some of their staff and I heard some of the stories and said, Dear God, I'm so glad I don't work there. I would not want to go through what these people are going through. I'd just stay on the back sideline and just glean from the gift. So I knew I could glean from the gift. It wasn't a nice person. One, one person in particular, not a nice person at all. I had a couple of interactions with them and all of them were very abrasive. But I gleaned what I, I needed to. And, um, and you make sure that you do that. I say, I could just get offended at that. And if I did, I would have missed out on a lot of things because that, that particular person taught me some taught me some stuff I'm glad for it but sometimes you have to you have to get past some of those things because people are imperfect God uses imperfect people to accomplish things if I extend mercy to other imperfect people guess what it gets extended to me if I exercise judgment on other imperfect people guess what comes my way so I don't want to open up the door for judgment I'd rather open up the door for mercy and if God needs to judge some of these other ministers or some of these other people who have done things, that's His job. I'm not in that seat. Thank God I'm not in that seat. You see, I don't have, I don't have to be doing all that sort of stuff. Well, God, I, if, if they're missing it, that's up to you. I'm just here to glean what, what I need to glean and get what I need to get. So, if I'm going to pray like Jesus prays here, first off, I've got to pray is the Word. I've got to get the Word of God. I've got to understand the Word of God. I've got to have the Word of God in me because if I'm going to pray the Word, I'm going to be renewing myself on that purpose, on God's purpose, 
And if I renew myself on the purpose that God has, I won't, I won't, be, is, uh, I won't tend to veer off of it. I won't leave and go off in this, this other direction. I'll stay with it. Here's the second one. You ready? To pray like Jesus does here is to pray God's will and purpose. First off, we pray the word. Secondly, we pray God's will and purpose. But I've got to know God's will, not just God's will. I've got to know His purpose. You see, look at what Jesus is doing here. He doesn't just know it's the will of God for me to go to the cross. He knows the purpose. Why does Jesus say He's going to the cross? To redeem sinners from sin. That's the purpose. Here's the method, going to the cross. That's the will of God. God says, I need you to go to the cross and pay the penalty. But here's the purpose. Here's why you're doing it. See, some people know what they're supposed to do, but they don't know why. I don't know the purpose. If I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't know why, I can get veered off. Because I, I'm not sold on the purpose. What does God have me, have me doing in that particular thing? What am I supposed to be, be accomplishing? So that's what he prays. Let's go back to what he, he prays again. Oh, my Father, if it is possible... But doesn't Jesus teach that all things are possible? If Jesus teaches that all things are possible, why does He say if it's possible? Because when He says all things are possible, He qualifies it. What's He say? All things are possible to Him who believes. Now you see, does he believe that there is another way beside the cross? No, he's wondering. He's wondering. Father, I just wonder, is there another way beside me going to the cross? I wonder. I can't believe that because God didn't say it. But I wonder. Have you ever had that with other people? Maybe you needed some help. Maybe you're going to move. And if you're going to move, how many of y'all know you need help? Moving by yourself? It's a tough thing. It's nice to have help to, to be able to do that. So if, if, uh, if you were in that spot, you might go up to Brother Orlando and say, uh, I'm wondering, can you help? Because I don't know. And so he says, well, let me, let me consider that. And he goes back and looks at his schedule to see what he's able to do. And then he'd come back and he could say, I cannot. Well, see, now I know. I wondered before. Now I know. But if he comes back to me and he says, I can. I now can put faith in those words as long as I believe the, the words that Orlando speaks. <laughs> and I do. But I mean, how many of know some people said, yeah, I can do that. And he said, well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> we have people like that. But other people, they say, yeah, I can do that. You know. No matter what, they're going to they're gonna get it done. See, I can have faith in that. If God tells me, I'm wondering, I say, God, I wonder. And God says, yes. See, now I can put faith in it. Well, let this cup pass from me. If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. So you can get the idea, Jesus really doesn't want to drink this cup. 
is getting closer. We're seeing what's in it. And uh, I knew this. I knew it was bad, but man, it looks bad. <laughs> it looks really, really bad from here. And um, who? I mean, if it's possible, I would rather. I'd rather not do that. But if it's if this is the only way, I'll drink it. I will go ahead and I will do this. That's the first time he was praying. Then he comes back in verse 40. Then he came to the disciples and found them asleep and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So watch and pray lest you enter. Not him. Jesus is not saying, if you don't pray, I could be up a creek. He's not saying that. See, what you do is going to impact your life. What I'm doing right now is impacting mine. But right now you're sleeping. And that's not going to help. Because what you need is not found in sleep. It's found in watching and praying. That's what you need to do. So watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. I don't know about you, but if Jesus came back to me and rebuked me like that, I think that'd be enough to keep me awake for a week. But it didn't last very long for them. So they must have been really tired. Now, these guys are not lazy. They've been working hard doing stuff, and apparently a lot of things have been going on, and they're tired. So they go back to sleep. So again, a second time he went away and prayed saying, Oh my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And Brother Lamar back there, he was making note on this. He said, uh, I see that the prayer changed on the second time. We're still praying the same same thing, but the, it, there's a slight change in it. First off, first time, if it's possible. Second time, well, if it's not possible. Oh my Father, this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. So after the first time spending that hour in prayer, he spent time seeking after God, he kind of got the idea, it's not possible. And so now he's entering into the second time with the idea, alright, I wondered if it was possible. Now I'm pretty sure it's not possible. And so he's praying along the lines of, I'm pretty sure this is not possible. So I need to get myself ready to face what I'm facing. If this cup cannot pass away from away from me, unless I drink it, your will be done. Not my will, your will be done. So it seemed that Jesus was getting the idea that what he wondered was possible was not. It was not possible. Now I can put this question in there for you in your outline. You can fill this out here if you want. How quick should we be to accept what is not possible? If God tells us something, Steve, that is not possible. If I go to God and say, I wonder is if, if this is possible. And if God says, that is not possible, you need to do it this way. How long should I wait until I accept that? Now, Jesus prays for, he has, an, he has a pretty good idea right now. It's not possible. He wondered when we first started. He was thinking, maybe, maybe it's possible. 
I think he was more hopeful then. Second time in there, I'm getting the idea he's not that hopeful. Somehow in that first hour, he got the idea this is not possible. So he's not as hopeful the second time. But then he goes back for a third hour and prays the same thing they did the second hour. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit, spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Hmm. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing. What were they supposed to be praying? Jesus is praying to renew himself on the will of God that he is willing to go to the cross. Are the disciples going to the cross? No. Is it God's purpose for the disciples to follow Jesus in the death? It is absolutely not God's purpose for them to follow him in the death. Because what is the purpose of the twelve apostles? To be eyewitnesses of the things they saw Jesus do. How can you be an eyewitness if you're dead? What they needed to do was renew themselves on the purpose. What is our purpose? Why are we disciples? Why did God call us? Why are we here? Well, the purpose for which we're here is that we are to see the things that have been done through Jesus and testify throughout the whole world. What happened after Jesus came back the third time? And then the soldiers came. What happened to the twelve disciples? Eleven, we should say. They fled. How can you be an eyewitness if you leave? Did they miss the purpose? Now then Peter, he started sneaking around. He started sneaking on back there. So he wants to maybe get in that eyewitness thing. He wants to see what's going on, but he doesn't want anybody to know he's there. Because he's afraid they might kill him. But what is the purpose of God for them? To be eyewitnesses. If you renewed yourself on that purpose, wouldn't you know they can't kill me? I got a calling on me. They cannot kill me. Yeah, I was with them. What of it? <laughs> Come on, bring it on. What's he got? You can't kill me. I have a purpose. See, if they would have renewed themselves to the purpose, they would have been bolder. They didn't pray and renew themselves to the purpose. And so when the temptation came, they fled. But when the temptation came for Jesus to get down off the cross, he said no. Remember his words to, his, to Peter? When Peter pulled the sword out and struck Struck the guy. Missed him completely except for the ear. Not a very good shot with the, with the sword there. He, um, he says, don't you know? Don't you know the forces I have available to me right now? That if I just asked the Father, He would send them? Now, how much of a temptation would it be if you were in that situation, but you knew if you asked the Father, He'd send them? Even though God wants them to go to the cross for the for humanity, still, if you want me to, I'll send them. 
point, does Jesus ever have to be on point? He's not on point. If he asked, apparently they would be sent. I have to get myself to the point that if God says, Steve, that is not possible. You are not going in that direction. Yes, sir? But you see, here's what we do a lot of times. Yeah, but brother so-and-so, they get to. How come it brother so-and-so gets to? I can't do it. Yeah, but sister so-and-so, she gets to go and do that. How come I don't get to go and do those things? I want to go and do those things. You let them do it. It is not possible for you to do that. Because you cannot do that and accomplish my purpose for you. But I, but I really want to. Oh, well, if you really want to, I mean. No, there has to come a place where we accept that God says, Steve, that is off limits for you. I don't care that somebody else is doing it. That's off limits for you. Now, wherever we're at, we can face this temptation. I run into many a minister. And many a minister has a very different attitude than, uh, than, I, than my wife and I have. We sat, we sat in one meeting. We went over to uh, John and Shirley Tash. We, we were helping them out there. They were into doing some children's ministry for somebody in the area, fairly large church. And uh, we went over there just to support Brother John and Sister Shirley. Some of you may remember them. So we were out there and we're in the, the thing and it was the last night of the meeting. And they were closing up. And Brother John, Sister Shirley, and wrapping everything up. The pastor comes in chats with them, sits down on the, on the chair and watches them work. We can't do that. I, I am not wired that way. I cannot watch someone else work. So my wife and I, we got up and we, we started helping them. This pastor sits there, talks with us, watches us all work. We're not part of this church. We're not out here. We're <laughs> He knew we were, we were pastoring someplace else. Just watch this work. Help him load all this stuff up. Carry it all out to the, to the vehicle. And watch this. Now I could go to God and say, God, I want that. I want, I want just to sit around and watch everybody do stuff. This is the same kind of pastor. Uh, he also used to have people carry his Bibles and stuff in. I've told you before, don't ever carry my Bible in. <laughs> don't do it. It won't be greeted with, with a welcome attitude. I carry my own Bible. Or in this case, iPad. If I bring in other books, I carry that too. That's just the way I'm, I'm, I'm wired. But that's just a, fun, a funny one. There's other ones that are far more grievous. I'm not going to bring those ones up. And we've, we've seen attitudes with, with that. And we just look at it. What? How do you act like this? How do you, how do you carry on? And, and do this sort of stuff. I don't understand. But I could look at that and say, well, God, they get the freedom to do that sort of thing. How come, how come we can't? See, I would miss the purpose, whatever God has for me. It, it involves the way he wired me. And so we, we do things that way. He wired you certain ways. 
Don't be looking at other brothers and sisters and say, well, how come that's okay for them to do? It may not be. Just because they're doing it doesn't mean it is right. <laughs> Just because I see other ministers or other Christians out there doing a certain thing, it doesn't mean that God told them or that it's within their, their purpose. They could be missing it and I could be following after them missing it. Amen. Don't go following after people because of what they do. You got to go with what's on the inside of you. Should I do that? And God says, no. <laughs> that means it is not possible. And I better be quick to accept what is not possible. Because if I keep going back before God says, yeah, but what if we do it this way? How about, how about this? Then we're going to have trouble later on. Don't be doing it. Get yourself to the point where you accept what is not possible. Now, how quick should you do it? Well, Jesus was in prayer for three hours. I would not take longer than Jesus. You're not facing what Jesus faced. You're not facing this grave of a thing as what he faced. And to take three hours to get ready for that is probably pretty short. What you're facing is small time potatoes compared to that. If God says that's not possible, yes, sir. But I want to get involved. Nope. That is not for you to get involved with. Yes, sir. I will stay off of that. So the first time, if it is possible, second time, pretty much, well, it's not possible. Verse 43, And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, so he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Same thing as he prayed in the second one. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed in the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Now, how many of you, how many of you have ever taken a nap? Anybody here ever taken a nap? Have you, have you ever taken a nap for 30 minutes? Anybody taken a 30 minute nap? Anybody ever taken an hour nap? One whole hour, went in there and took a nap. Anybody ever taken a two hour nap? Two whole hours nap. Anybody ever taken a three hour nap? Three hour nap. Three hour nap. These guys had three one hour naps back to back. Actually, one one hour and one two hour nap. Three hours of napping. Now, I got a little little off of my phone that connects with the thing on my wrist and it tells me exactly how much sleep I get each night. I didn't get that much sleep last night as they got in this little nap. I got this, 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 this uh, stupid little app that I don't even know why I keep keep uh, messing with it. But uh, you would think it would learn you after a while, don't you? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you think if you used it for a few years? I got involved with this, this group way back in the beginning, and so I paid no money for it. I gave them a, a, you know, bought the thing off them, and I just wanted to get people involved in it, so I got involved with it. And everybody else has to pay monthly. So I don't pay a dime to them. And every time the thing breaks, I send it to them, they send me a new one. I mean, that's a pretty good deal, isn't it? That's why I keep looking at it. It's, it's, it's free. And still to this day, it looks, you know, it evaluates your workout, what you did, and how heavy your workload was for the day, and, 
and uh, by your heart rate and some other things like that. And then it tells you how much you need to sleep at night. Constantly. It is telling me 10 and a half hours. Nine hours and 45 minutes. And it'll come up, you know, and say, you got four hours of sleep last night. That is 50% of your recommended. I'm thinking, we've been at this for years. Don't you realize, I don't sleep that, I don't sleep 10 hours. Why do you keep telling me to sleep 10 hours? Why do you keep setting the bar up here and I've never hit it? Never have I ever hit that bar. You would think it would learn you after a while and just say, you know what, for you, it doesn't do it. But these guys got three hours of a nap. They slept the night before as far as we could tell. But then took a three hour nap, one hour and then two hours. Because Jesus didn't wake him up the second night. He says, rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Now, if you're going to pray like Jesus prayed, you have to. You can write these things down for you. Run out of room in your outline. If you're going to pray like Jesus prays, first off, you have to have something. There's something you must be in possession of if you're going to pray like Jesus prayed, and that is purpose. I've got to know what God called me to do. Now, there's a whole lot of people say, I don't know what God called me to do. Yes, you do. You probably just don't want to admit it. <laughs> or maybe you just got tired of that. I have to have something. There has to be a purpose. Secondly, I have to know something. That's God's will. I've got to know God's will. What is it that you want to accomplish? Third, I have to be willing to do something. I have to be willing to do something. I can't just go in there and pray. I have to be willing to do something. Especially the stuff I don't want to do. Because there's some stuff I don't want to do. And I have to know what to accept. There are some things that you need to accept. No, I can change anything. No, there are some things you need to accept. But we're faith people here. Yeah, and there's some things you just need to learn you need to accept. One of those things is People will disappoint you. You just got to accept it. I don't want to accept that. I believe that everybody that God leads me to will be... You can do that if you want to, but Jesus was apparently led to people who disappointed him. How many people was he... Was he... Was he... All right. Way to go. After the garden incident. How many? I guess he was disappointed. How about Judas? Do you think Judas disappointed Jesus? I think he does. People are going to disappoint you. Just come to grips with it. Well, yeah. They're going to disappoint me. They disappointed Jesus. They disappointed Paul. How many people did uh, Paul have in his group that disappointed him? That's a whole lot. That didn't stop him from going out there and, and finding people and, and doing things. Paul had people in his life who went out and said nasty things about him. Jesus had people in his life who went out and said nasty things about him. Jesus was having meetings and people had meetings before the meeting to determine how they were going to disrupt his meeting. We've, we've been talking to you some about words. I tell you, I wish people would understand this. But words have power. And we always think about this in the, in the positive part. 
Words have power. They're seeds. And I, I sow them by speaking them. Do you know that your negative words also have power? I wish people could understand this. I don't say this all the time. But I'll say it to you here. I'll deny it after this. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't. Negative words, when spoken, create things. People don't always realize this. Do you remember how many times Jesus was in the Word and He knew their hearts? You know why He knew their hearts? Because they put words to them. They spoke them. I cannot tell you how many times I've been in front of people. I don't tell them. But I know it on the inside of me. Negative words have been spoken. Sometimes it's just negative words among themselves. You walk into the thing, oh, negative words have been spoken here. But I've seen many a person, and I, I can tell, well, they spoke negative words against me. Something I did, something I said. I could, I could tell. It's just, it's, there's, there's power that's there. I, heart, I can't even remember the last time. I don't even know if I ever have ever told anybody that I could tell. I just smile and go on. That's where it helps to have, grip, grab hold of your emotions. Because you see, if you don't, then those people who spoke those negative words can never get past them. I like people to get past them. I'd rather get past them. They don't always get past them. Sometimes they let those negative words create other things in them and do stuff, and that, that's on them. I can't, can't help that. Once in a while, God will tell me to confront something. But most of the time, just know. There are some things you have to accept. Some people are going to let you down. Just know it. They let Jesus down. If they uh, fix it and come on back, make sure you open the door for them. Help them out. Doesn't mean you have to trust them the same way you did before, but you just got to open the door. Come on. Love on them. I mean, come on, Jesus has loved on you. You've had some negative words about Jesus. No, I haven't. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. No, I've been a believer all my life. And yet you have gone out and said, I don't understand why God hasn't healed me yet. I thought God loved me. How come God doesn't... Let me speak these things. Those are negative words about your God. Don't be speaking them. Don't be saying them. There are certain things that God will have you accept that are not going to change. Just accept them. Yes, sir. Just take the orders. Yes, sir. But be careful you don't accept something that the evil one is bringing about. That does not help the kingdom of God at all. You don't need those things. Keep them the things that bet. He's going to try and get you to accept some bad feelings, some harmful feelings, some, some damaging things. Do not accept those things. That's not going to help you out. He's going, to, he's going to try and sow in some, some things about people that are close to you, your spouse, friends. Try and sow some negative stuff in there. Don't be accepting those things. That's not bringing any glory to the kingdom of God. You are not going to be helping it out. But if you're going to pray like Jesus prayed, you've got to know what the will of God is for your life. When you go into this prayer, you renew yourself on that will. Father God, you have called me to learn your word. And to be a light to you, for you, among the people that I'm around. That's pretty much all of our number one call. 
There are people that you are around that no one else is. No other believer. You may be the only believer some of the people in your life ever see. Don't ever minimize that call to understand the things of God's Word and bring it to them. The way that you love on them. That's a, that's a testimony. And they won't get away from very quickly. You need to love on them. They're going to see your testimony of things. They're going to hear how you, how you talk, how you converse, how you speak about others. I'm going to say, there's something different about the way they speak about people. Huh. This is what you're supposed to be doing. They're here in this earth. Always make sure that we're doing that. We're here to learn more of His Word because the more I understand His Word, the more I can explain it to others. The more light I bring to other people. Bring that light to them. Help them out. You are to be a a light that needs to burn brighter and brighter and brighter. The enemy is trying to put everything on you he can to get that light to be dimmer, dimmer, and dimmer. Don't let him do it. When he comes at you and there's a terror that wants to settle in on your life, there's an exceedingly great sorrow that wants to settle in on your life. His purpose is to veer you off from the things of God and get you to enter into temptation. You don't have to do it. You can spend some time in prayer. Watch. Don't be fine. Don't be lulled asleep by the things that the devil is throwing around your, your area there. Don't be, be watching them so that you're not watching over here. You know, my grandkids are big on this one right now. When they want to steal something off your plate, Oh, look, a squirrel. <laughs> now, you know there's not a squirrel there. But, you know, we play along. Oh, where? I don't see it. I thought I had. <laughs> see, like the, that's what the devil likes to do, too. Not that they're acting like the devil. It's just, we're just having fun. <laughs> but the devil wants to get you distracted. He wants you to get you looking off over here. Don't look where the devil wants you to look. Keep your eyes fixed on where God wants you to look. See things the way he wants you to see them. And the devil will get frustrated. He's trying to get you to, to go this direction, to see these things. But don't do it. Would you all stand up with me? This morning is our communion Sunday. Just as before this story in the garden took place, Jesus took the bread before supper and he broke it and gave it to them. This was unleavened bread that they had for the Passover meal. And he said, this bread represents my body which is broken for you. He knew we would have to remember these things. The cross was not a wonderful thing to remember. I did a wonderful rendition of that in the, the movie The Passion of Christ. It's hard to watch it, isn't it? 
I have a hard time just watching that. That's not one of those things I want to watch over and over again. I, I saw it. Oh. I don't, want to, I don't want to keep seeing it. But he wanted us to remember. It was a bad thing. But it had good results. I want you to remember. Jesus said this. I want you to remember what I did for you. And Jesus was willing to sacrifice his body that it be beaten beyond recognition. Pour his blood out on that cross. Go through all that suffering that was so great that when the reality inched closer, he suddenly began to be exceedingly sorrowful and greatly distressed. Jesus, who had victory over so many things while he walked here on this earth, took three hours in the garden to pray, to get himself ready so that when the time came, he did not give in to temptation and not go to the cross for you. And when the time came, he didn't just let his body be beaten and say, guys, I can't take any more. That's it. No, he went through the whole way until he died on that cross. And so he told us, he says, as often as you do this, remember, it was my body that was broken for you. Jesus felt the pain. Jesus felt all that that was done to him. He did it for you. Jesus went through that much to accomplish his purpose. How much more can we go through to accomplish what he wants us to get done? Let's eat together. After supper, he took the cup. He said, this represents my blood just shed for you. We don't need the blood of bulls, goats, sheep, doves. The blood of Jesus has washed us clean. So we drink together, let's remember. There is nothing we need to add. We just need to receive and accept. Let's drink together. Glory to God. Father, we thank you. As we have this remembrance of what you did for us, sending Jesus to the cross to die for our sins. You watched from heaven while your son was beaten, put through great pain and anguish because of your great love for us. You watch that be done. I thank you, Father. We are growing into that love. We are learning that love more and more. It will become stronger in us. And I thank you for it. As we go out this week, we are your light 
in every place that we go. As we continue to learn from your word and to gain right understanding of it. It will impact the way we pray. The kind of success we have with our prayer. I thank you for it. And just as Jesus showed us by example how we could enter into prayer and watchfulness so that we would not enter into temptation, we can surely do the same thing. That if we find ourselves coming into places, submitting to temptation, veering off from the purpose and the direction you have for our life, we haven't been praying the will of God the way we should. I thank you for your great love for us. And all the times that we've missed it up till now, you still have that great love for us. Give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. Before you go, make sure that you greet some people that are around you. Share the love of God with those that are there. Read over the little insert we gave you about our Christmas project coming up. We're going to be raising money for these gift cards. The purpose of which is to empower you with these gift cards that you would go into these stores. And you have a reason to talk with people because you're going to give them a 10, 15, 20, whatever dollar gift card that it is to whatever store they're shopping in. It'll be work right there. And they'll... And you're going to be able to take a little bit of time talk to them about the purpose of the season. Invite them out to church. Take an opportunity to pray for them. This is what we're gearing up towards. So this is our Christmas in July. And I know that you all be not only a part in, in raising the money for the things that we need, but also part in going out into these stores and talking with the people, sharing the love of God. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see some of you here on Wednesday.